We would like to acknowledge that this podcast, Voices of Sustainability, is created on the traditional territory of the neutral Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. Sustainable Waterloo Region is situated on the Haldeman Tract, the land promised to the Six Nations that includes six miles on each side of the Grand River. Hello everyone, welcome to Voices of Sustainability. I'm Sabine. And I'm Lauren. We are part of the organization Sustainable Waterloo Region, or SWR, and we will be your co-hosts. SWR is a non-profit organization in Waterloo Region, Ontario, championing business-led and community-focused climate action. Through this podcast, we want to amplify diverse perspectives and voices in the sustainability movement. We hope you find these conversations meaningful, educational, and inspiring. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for listening and joining us. We are joined today, myself um, and Lauren are joined today by Naran, Sarah, and Asia. We're so excited to have you. Um, these wonderful women are the co-op students um, with SWR over this last uh, term, and really excited to get to know you through this podcast. So I'd like you to introduce yourselves. Let us know who you are, uh, where you grew up, where you were born, um, how you identify, what you're studying currently, and what you do as part of SWR. Hello everyone, my name is Nuran. I was uh, born in Dubai and that's where I grew up uh, until my parents decided to move to Canada in 2009. And both my parents are Egyptian, so I identify as Egyptian Canadian. Um, I also identify as she, her. Um, in Waterloo right now, I'm currently studying environment resources and sustainability and I'm minoring in geography and environmental management. And I joined the SWR team uh, in January, 2021. And my role has been to guide and assist the delivery of our 2020 year-end reports uh, and our evening of recognition events. So I've been directly working with our program managers, collecting 2020 highlights and stories, um, as well as working with a creative design agency team um, who's working on putting our year-end report together. And I've also been working with our events team to organize our evening of recognition events. So basically searching new platforms that we can use for online events. Um, And yeah, it's been really exciting so far. Hi everyone. So my name is Sarah and I was born in Windsor, Ontario, which is the border city right next to Detroit. And I've been studying and working virtually with people in the Waterloo region. I identify as an Asian Canadian woman, and my parents immigrated here from Vietnam and were also of Chinese descent. At SWR, I have been working as a program coordinator for the Regional Sustainability Initiative, which is a program where we help local businesses achieve their sustainability goals. And it's been a pleasure working in the the behind this, like in the internal processes with the team and setting up different events for organizations to par- participate. I am a first year university student studying environmental engineering at the University of Waterloo. And I've only been through one term so far, but I've been enjoying the different um, topics and themes that I've been exploring in my courses and through co op. Uh, my name is Asiya. I was born and raised in Mississauga. I'm South Asian. My grandparents immigrated from Pakistan. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. I'm currently studying environment and business at the University of Waterloo. And at SWR, I've been working as a project coordinator 
to support um, SWR's different strategic projects, so projects that are still sort of in the design phase that haven't been implemented yet, and also working to figure out what projects SWR is going to work on next. Thanks so much for those lovely introductions. Um, I think one thing that's really interesting about our podcast is that we get to meet so many different people within SWR and just hear a little bit about their backgrounds and kind of what led them to this point working in sustainability. And so I just kind of want to ask you guys how you became engaged with sustainability, where you first were introduced to the concept and um, what made you interested to work in this field? Um, so I guess sustainability was something that I grew up with and uh, my family has always incorporated sustainability practices in our household growing up. Um, especially when it comes to like waste prevention. So growing up, like we never threw food away. We always passed down our clothes and toys to like my siblings and cousins. It was sort of like routine. Um, and like come to think of it at the time we were doing with what we have. And a lot of the sustainable practices we were partaking in were really because we didn't have the financial means to like splurge and waste. Um, and it's great that like it's something that I grew up with and I continue to incorporate in my life. But the older I got, I think the more passionate I became towards like living more sustainably and um, found like new ways to incorporate sustainable lifestyle practices in my like day to day life, as well as like finding ways to advocate for sustainable living and raising awareness through social media. Um, so something that like I guess I've done for myself um, in the realm of sustainability was like learn how to make my own products at home. Um, and I guess it was the main reason behind it was to like minimize my plastic um, consumption and my waste production. Um, so that was something that I've like done for myself. Um, and it will also like use my Instagram platform to like teach people how to make their own products at home. Um, yeah, and I guess my sort of my engagement to sustainability really emerged in high school. And I was doing like individual research and I grew a passion for it. And it's basically what encouraged me to like continue doing sustainability in my future and pursue a, like a program that um, is sustainability related as well as like work with organizations that are in the sustainability world. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about the things you've been making yourself? That sounds so cool. I'd love to know, you know, what kind of some examples of that. Yes, so I've learned how to make my own lip balm and deodorant and soap, Love and that. I'm still learning. So like I've like I've learned through like YouTube videos. Um, so it's like all self-taught. And my mom also really likes making her own products at home. So she's also like she teaches me like about like the different ways to make like lip balms and stuff. And um, it's great. Like I love making them at home because you get to like use less plastic and it's a lot less wasteful and it's also really simple and it's like a simple way to like incorporate sustainability in your life that's so cool if i love have, that yeah <laughs> if you have an insta we should plug then we can definitely yeah. put that in the show notes for you <laughs> yeah so you can actually find the videos on culture of sustainability so culture dot of dot sustainability there's two videos because we started like a program, uh, a series um, on like that Instagram page. And there's videos on how to make your own deodorant and lip balm. Um, so yeah, check it out. <laughs> and, and Sarah, I kind of want to ask you, how did you first become engaged with sustainability? I know that, you know, you've just started your university career. And as a result of the pandemic, you haven't really been able to be present here in Waterloo and in our community. Um, 
but how did you become engaged and, and what kind of made you interested in studying this field and, and thinking about how um, you can work like in this sector? Yeah, so I became engaged with sustainability mainly through like my education. A lot of times teachers would mention things about the environment and basically give us like a rundown of like a environment 101 kind of crash course. And I think just hearing about the different issues that are going on with climate change and the lack of maybe like the lack of like awareness on this um, definitely made me inspired to pursue a career in sustainability. Um, a lot of times when I was in um, this like environmental specialist high schools major program in like it was at high school, um, I realized that I wanted to work more with helping to solve different problems in this um, field and that's what kind of kick-started me into pursuing environmental engineering. That's awesome. Do you have any um, big ideas, Sarah, already? I know you're only year one, but, um, but are there any specific areas where you're thinking, you know, you're excited to dive into certain tech aspects of solving a lot of these climate change issues? Um, I'm really inspired to, uh, I will, I would like to be a part of like projects in water management and also providing like safe drinking water for um, countries that don't like that are lacking in resources for those. That's awesome. I love that as well. That's really awesome. Um, and I think that like, as you, you know, continue in your studies, there'll definitely be so many opportunities to engage in that kind of work, especially within the region and also within Canada as well. Um, so being at SLBY is a great start, which is <laughs> it's really awesome that you started out here. Um, and Asia, can you tell us a little bit about how you became engaged with sustainability and um, a little bit about why you're really interested in this field? Sure. So for me, I think my interest started a little bit later um, when I was uh, trying to select what university program I would enter. Um, I decided on environment and business because um, it was interdisciplinary and I liked that I could learn about a couple of things at once because I was super undecided about what I wanted to do. Um, and I would say through my university program, I've learned about um, how pivotal um, sustainability in business is in really shaping the future. Um, so things like energy efficiency, um, which I've done a lot of work in through co-op um, and even like um, environmental management systems are all areas that um, I've sort of developed a lot of interest in, I would say. So you, you've all kind of touched a little bit on um, a lot of, you know, the, the roots of your interest in this field, but I'd love to know um, more specifically, um, you know, whether that be educational experiences or professional experiences um, that all three of you have had within sustainability. Um, I know you all come from different areas um, with, with your background, so um, we'd love to dive in um, to some different perspectives there. Um, Niran, um, how about we start with you? Um, for you, what are some work and educational experiences specifically in sustainability? So um, I'm currently measuring environment uh, resources and sustainability. So it's very sustainability focused. Um, and I've basically enrolled in a few ecology courses, which are 
usually my favorite because they give you like an opportunity to really be outside and like appreciate nature, like identifying plants, learning about like plant conservation, sustainable forestry methods. Um, it's all been really great. Um, as well as just like through my program, I've learned a lot more about like environmental challenges, whether that's like pollution, biodiversity loss, um, and like the list goes on. Um, and like the way to deal with them and how sustainable forestry can protect biodiversity or how sustainable lifestyle choices can minimize your ecological footprint. And I think that's why I've done so much in like trying to incorporate sustainable lifestyle choices and advocating for it and also like doing it in my life as well. Um, as for like work experiences, I've done a lot of outdoor education and um, something that I never really thought I'd be like enjoying because I never thought I would enjoy teaching like younger grades. It's <laughs> like because my first co-op placement was an outdoor ed and I was like, oh, I actually enjoyed this. And it was <laughs> it was sort of shocking to me because I'm like, I never expected myself to like it. Um, but yeah, I quickly realized that it was something that I would want to continue pursuing in the future. And I guess like uh, through like outdoor education, like in leading nature walks and teaching children about like like living sustainably, um, like forestry, and just generally about like rocks, plants, and birds, as well as like indigenous, um, the way indigenous people incorporate plants in their culture. Um, I think those are all very important topics. And it's things that like, I've been able to like, guide children and teach them about it. Um, so it's all been very interesting. And I plan to continue doing it in the future. Um, yeah. That's so awesome. Um, my dad's a gym teacher. So I mean, outdoor ed is not really the same as gym whatsoever. But I feel like I grew up in, in a, you know, a similar kind of space of really valuing, um, you know, really hands on education when it does come to um, being outdoors in, in whatever capacity that is. Um, for yourself, um, you know, we are all well aware that especially the outdoor ed space is typically very, very white dominated, um, often male dominated as well from what I've seen, but maybe, you know, I could be wrong. But um, for yourself, um, as, um, you know, someone who's not a white male, um, how have, has that experience been within the outdoor ed world? Um, yeah, it's been... Um... It's been honestly a very unique experience in the sense that like um, it's a very white dominated field and um, I guess there isn't enough representation um, in that field and like field of sustainability and field of outdoor education generally speaking and I've been able to notice that right away like as an outdoor edu uh, educator I've like been able to see that um, firsthand um, and as, to some degree, I sometimes feel a little misplaced just because of like my life experiences and the journey I've had in life. Um, so for example, as like an immigrant, I did not really grow up in nature. So like being in the outdoors and like camping and hiking wasn't something I grew up with. Um, so being like introduced to outdoor ed and sustainability, I sort of like initially I felt a little misplaced and in the sense that like, I felt like I didn't know enough um, in comparison to like people who were teaching with me or people who were attending the same program as me. Um, so it's been like a very different experience. Um, and I also feel like with younger people not being able to see themselves represented in the space of sustainability in nature, it can really push them away instead of encourage them to like be a part of the conversation and engage 
in um, sustainable action and sustainable advo like advocacy. Um, but yeah, it's it's been honestly a very interesting journey. Um, but I feel like when children are able to see that, like I'm like an Arab Muslim um, woman, and I'm teaching them and I'm taking them out on like nature walks and stuff, it sort of like um, encourages them and it helps them see themselves as like envision themselves as, as like being in nature and like um, being a part of like the sustainability talk and stuff. Um, and I think that's what I really love about outdoor ed is like I'm giving children that opportunity. Um, yeah. That was really wonderful. Thanks for talking about that. Um, I, I kind of want to comment on some of the things you said because it made me think about um, just the, I guess this idea of like the right to the city or like a right to nature. Um, Cause I, I definitely um, have those same experiences as you, like my family being an immigrant, being immigrants coming to Canada and then, you know, just kind of seeing like these like outdoor activities that like you don't really engage in or like your parents don't really have an understanding of so you don't really get to experience them as a kid and then as you grow up you're like well, I don't know how to like what do you mean like camp like how do I even do that um but yeah I think that having more representation and having um you know that like understanding that um, you do have like a right to nature and like these are activities that anyone can do and participate in is really important. And I also think like it's really important to acknowledge that there are barriers right to nature. Um, getting out to go camping is for a family is like it's an expensive um, ordeal right you like purchasing a tent sleeping bags all these things right. Um, and I think that when kids are able to see that you know, like this is something that they can do regardless of who they are, or what they look like. Um, it's even more of, um, um, I guess, like a, an indicator to them that this is, you know, something that they can participate in and, and can be part of their experiences. Thanks so much, Naran. Um, Sarah, let's hop over to you. Um, I would love to know a little bit about some of your educational um, experiences and professional experiences. I know you haven't had a ton of, of co-op terms yet, um, but, um, you know, even with just one co-op term experience, I'm sure you still have, ha have something to share there. But um, yeah, we'd love to know kind of a little bit more about um, some, some of that background. Yeah, so... I am still like just beginning out my, um, I guess my journey to sustainability. Um, at SWR, I was working as a program coordinator for the regional sustainability initiative. And what basically what the program is like is that we help local businesses set ambitious greenhouse gas, water, or waste impact targets. And we also help them guide um, guide them into meeting their sustainability goals, setting up green teams, and making their employees more aware of the different things that they can do and implement into their lifestyle um, that would be sustainability related. I also like helped out with um, setting up the month-long event that we usually host called the Car called Carbon Plants, and it's a competition for our participating organizations to compete and see who has like the most sustainably active employees. So we'll give them challenges to do, and they'll submit 
different types of photos and engage with us through social media. It has been a joy working with the team and creating these different uh, resources for our organizations. So that's the type of experience I've gotten at SWR. Um, in my high school career, I did a lot of like skill building sessions through the um, program that I mentioned earlier, the Specialist High Skills Major Program. It helped me um, through gaining different experiences like having training in um, wilderness, like wilderness training and like CPR training that kind of helped me connect with nature and implement that into like the workplace. That's really cool. So it sounds like even though you are early days of, of diving into your career, you have quite a bit of background and experience. Um, so that's really awesome. Um, I'd love to know, Sarah, since um, you know you have just had your first co-op term um, as well as your first uh, year under your belt with engineering, um, what are your first impressions now that you are in that professional quote-unquote sustainability world um what's what's kind of what are the first things that have really you've been processing that have come to mind in in this role um the first things that came to mind um i was really surprised and inspired by the fact that at swr our office team is full of strong like female strong female employees and um, I feel like that wasn't what I was expecting co considering that I've been told um, that a lot of like STEM related careers and engineering fields are mainly like male dominated so seeing that for a change was definitely inspiring for me. Why is that important to you? Um, it's important to me because it gives me a sense of relief and hope that um, there's going to be like more representation in diverse voices in sustainability. And it's kind of like working towards um, like the sustainable development goals that are set by the United Nations, like the one goal being um, gender inequality and this is something that can help in reinforcing sustainability for the communities. Yeah Sarah I think that's really an interesting thing about sustainable water leaders and like the organization is that um, the leadership is so passionate um, and really focused on the goals that we have for the different programs um, that we're running and I think like you know going forward in my career like that kind of passion and drive and how hard everyone works is something that I really want to take away from my time at SWR. And I have even now as a volunteer. Um, so yeah, I definitely like agree with you so much on that. Thanks for sharing. So we'll hop over to you, Asiya. I'd love to know for you, um, you have touched a little bit on your educational and, and professional experiences, but um, more in depth, what um, specific roles have you had so far in your career? Sure. So I worked at the Ontario Ministry of Energy to support 
the Provincial Energy and Water Reporting and Benchmarking Program. So the idea with that program is um, when building owners see how much energy that they're consuming on an annual basis, they'll sort of um, have more of, um, they'll be more aware of it so that they have a better idea of how they can um, reduce their consumption and also generate um, savings in their electricity bills. I also worked at the um, independent electricity system operator on the program design team, which is responsible for designing Ontario's Save on Energy programs. So I had the opportunity to support the delivery of the um, provincial retrofit program, which was really interesting. Um, and over the past few months, I've also been working with a climate finance startup that's based in the U.S. called Green Portfolio, where I've had the opportunity to learn a bit more about environmental social governance investing in renewable energy and one interesting thing that I've actually learned from my time there is that um, where you invest your money can actually be a lot more impactful than your diet and I know that um, plant-based diets are something that um, people in the sustainability world like to promote but it was really interesting to learn that um, your finances are actually um, a lot more impactful in that sense. Yeah, that's actually something that I was just talking about last night. Um, I was diving into a long conversation about how, you know, we vote with our wallets in a way. I, I'm not sure if that's the right quote. I remember seeing that somewhere. But um, but yeah, you know, we if we make all these conscious decisions um, around invest or around, you know, what we buy and, and, and where we shop and that kind of thing, um, then where we invest our money, you know, our the portfolios for our mutual funds, like all that kind of thing too, like that. That makes a huge difference on an individual basis and then further beyond that business is you know even even on a grander scale but um but yeah that's that's a really good thing to be considering for a lot of folks and um yeah something that's really cool i'm sure that you found in in that specific role um see so you have been in quite a few different roles then um and of course swr on top of that um for yourself, um, what have the different management styles look like? Um, I know that you mentioned that you have, um, you mentioned previous in a, another conversation that you've had some um, women of color as bosses and, um, you know, some not. Um, what have, how have those experiences been, um, been different? Uh, sure. So one thing that I feel like is really different when you're working in a workplace that is diverse versus non-diverse is um in non-diverse workplaces, there can be sort of a failure to consider um, like a diversity of experiences and things like policy and program design. Um, so there can sort of be the assumption that um, in a white dominated workspace, for example, that that experience is the default and that you can shape policies and programs that are um, that sort of represent that, but that's not really how you um, can bring about change across like a broader, more diverse population. Um, so yeah, I think that's one thing I noticed in non-diverse workspaces. I would say also when you're working in a workspace that isn't diverse, um, when you have perspectives that can differ from the norm, they sort of feel buried under what everyone else thinks if it's, um, different from other people's experiences. So when I feel like, um, you have a lot of diverse voices, your voice is more amplified. And how do you kind of feel like um, working in, in spaces that have not been diverse in previous work experiences? How do you feel like your experience could have been different or better supported by um, 
those who were in charge, like supervisors, even your colleagues, um, what do you think those changes look like really on a really practical level? Um, I, I was thinking about a stat that I actually heard um, by a professor by the name of Dr. Doretta Taylor, and she was talking about representation in the sustainability field specifically. And I think the stat was it's about 88% of like leadership in the sustainability field um, is white, right? It's not of a diverse background. Um, so what changes can um, those in those supervisory roles kind of make to, or what could have happened in those experiences that you had so that you could have felt, you know, better supported and um, more comfortable in sharing those opinions that don't necessarily reflect, um, I guess, the way that the organization had kind of been going in. Uh, sure. So I think one thing that you feel when you're, um, I guess, a minority is that you have to forge your own path because you don't really see people who look like you represented across an organization. So I think one thing that would be really helpful and important um, for managers to do uh, is to provide connections to female leadership or women of color who are um, working in um, roles that I would have been interested in pursuing. I think that would have been really helpful because it can be hard to form those connections on your own um, when you're not seeing that kind of representation yourself. Yeah, I think I definitely agree with you there. I think that mentorship is really key and really important. Um, I know that even in past experiences, having mentors who, um, you know, look like me, have similar like background experiences helps me to understand like what my next step should be and how I should kind of engage with my professional and also my educational work as well. Um, Naran, actually, I, I kind of wanted to to tap into something that you that you said about working in outdoor education. Do you kind of feel like there's a level of pressure, like walking into these spaces as a result of your identity? I know that um, interacting in spaces that are really white dominated is, you know, really exciting because you kind of get to be the representation that people see, but it's also sometimes exhausting um, because you know, you're the only one and you like may be the only one that some people uh, have to engage with. Yeah, so I think that a lot of students who are like interested in being outdoors and in nature are often, they don't get to see representation. And um, for example, when they're attending field trips uh, at outdoor education centers, which um, would kind of discourage them in a way. Uh, and it also does put pressure on myself who identify, like I identify as a, like a person of color. So like I'm visibly like Muslim and I'm a woman. And um, so like in a, in a way, I feel like during my first co-op placement, I felt as though I wanted to present myself in a way that was like flawless. Like I wanted to make sure that I was um, educating myself about every like all the plants that students could possibly question me about even though I didn't have to know everything but I felt that pressure of like wanting to um, like I was fearful of like specific questions coming up during like nature walks that I wouldn't have answers to and I didn't want to seem less educated than my white co-workers um, although at the time I was still a student and I was still learning but I feel like I did put pressure on myself to be perfect and know everything uh, in order to like avoid like awkwardness. Um, so yeah, in like a way to like sum it up, because of my identity, I feel like there's a lot of pressure in the way I have to like represent myself because I could be the only like teacher that they're ever gonna have who 
um, is visibly like Muslim and that could like, if, if I don't present myself in like a cheerful way and I like, I know all my answers and everything, it could possibly put like a negative, I guess, like lens. Um, so like in a way, like it is stressful, um, but I feel like, um, like I made that personal choice to make, to put myself under that pressure. Um, I think it's normal because like we're all students and we're all learning and like there's no way for me to like know everything um, but I guess it's like internal like I wanted to be sure that like I presented myself in a way to like um, for all the other students to like look at me and go like oh like this person looks like me and she's like she knows her answers and everything um, yeah <laughs> Yeah, thank you for that, Neuron. I think that is a, a very important thing to consider. Um, yeah, I think, you know, for myself as, you know, a white woman, I definitely haven't had to come into, you know, come into contact with that for sure. And um, I know, you know, kind of looking at something as basic as just, you know, seemingly basic as gender equality, I know how important it is for me to have women in positions of power to, to show that that is a pathway I can take. And um, yeah, and then that has an, a whole other level of pressure, um, for sure, in, in terms of being a woman of color and then, you know, needing that representation to, to feel like that's a pathway you too can forge. Um, but um, I think that the fact that you are taking steps to be in this position is, is pretty incredible. And I know so many of your students, I'm sure, are very grateful. Um, you would be a fabulous teacher. I would be super grateful to learn from you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's really like layered, um, you know, like kind of pressure, right? There, there's so many layers to it. And um, I definitely like identify with feeling those pressures as well um you know as a black woman in a pretty white dominated space and I think that um one thing that I always try to tell myself is that yes like people will you know have like stereotypes that they may not necessarily say out loud and um thoughts and conversations right but I I want to represent like myself really well as Savannah Street um even though my identity is is a big part of that and that's really important um I just try to think about it in in that perspective to help me like release some of that pressure um because it can get really exhausting and and really stressful um I think on that uh Sarah I just I kind of wanted to touch on a little bit of like your experiences as well um and just kind of I I know that you haven't had a ton of like professional experiences but um, and that you've just started uh, your university career. Um, but I just want to kind of know like how your definition of sustainability has shifted um, and, and what's kind of happened through your, through your time here at SWR. I know that I learned a lot uh, during my co-op at SWR as well. And um, how has that definition shifted from maybe um, your experiences now and then um, growing up as well? And how do you think that ex that is different from you know, what's maybe practiced like at home, like in your household and then in your peer groups as well? Yeah, growing up, I felt like sustainability was something that was incorporated in my daily life, but wasn't something that my peers considered. Like it felt like it was a personal thing and that like not much people were aware of like the different um, ways that my family and I kind of like save our money by doing like small actions, like making sure not to like waste our food. 
and also like reusing um, leftover containers that we can use to store other items. Um, now that I've been involved in like SWR and hearing about all the different ways that everyone is going about incorporating like sustainability into their households and workplaces, um, it's becoming more of a community idea in my brain. Like, I would define it as more of an ability and effort of a whole community to commit to like me these like meaningful life changes in trying to ensure that for the future and for our natural surroundings that we're making sure to preserve and um, respect the nature around us and building that sort of society that our future generations can um, go into and learn from. Thanks, Sarah. Um, just on that that note of, of community, I think that that is a really important consideration when we think about sustainability. Um, individual actions are really fundamental as well and really important, but on a community level, like making a decision to um, to do things in a sustainable way is, is really important. And I think that's where you see like the biggest changes, right? The biggest impacts. It can't just be like, just, you know, neuron deciding to um, practice recycling at home. It has to be all of us so that we can make a really big impact. Um, and I also wanted to touch on what you said about um, kind of the different definitions of sustainability in your household versus like peer groups. Um, and do you think that there are ways that that movement and that definition of sustainability can be shifted to kind of create space for more diverse voices and more diverse perspectives? Um, with the different definitions, because sustainability is kind of a complex word. It can mean different things for different people. And I feel like if um, as a community more um, more events based on sharing your ideas or um, partaking in like community consultation events, that sort of thing. Um, I feel like having the opportunity to, for other people to um, share their voices and opinions on sustainability is one way that um, we can all get a better sense of what our community thinks about sustainability and what we can do to um, improve this. Yeah, Sarah, thank you so much for that. Um, Asiya, I have um, one question for you. Um, going back to some of your experiences, more specifically with SWR, um, we, I mean, Sarah touched on community and that kind of got me thinking about the community consultations that SWR just held a couple weeks ago. And I know that something um, SWR is really trying to work on is ensuring more representation of diverse um, perspectives within um, different spaces of decision making. But um, when I was watching the community consultations, I noticed that, you know, the I think it was five technical champions that they that were selected were all white men between the ages of, I think, you know, 40 to 60 kind of thing. And they all did great. <laughs> um, I, I enjoyed what they had to say, but um, 
I know that I was kind of thinking, okay, you know, what, what, what would this mean for, or how, how is this internalized by, um, you know, BIPOC who are watching this right now? And this isn't a true reflection of the experiences of, of Waterloo Region. Um, so how, how is that for you as someone who is working on the project? Okay, well, I guess to start, like, I feel like the reason why the champions were all white men, I feel like that sort of goes back to what the statistic that Savané mentioned before about the leadership. So um, I feel like it's largely like a systemic issue where if positions of leadership are dominated by white men, those tend to be the voices that we turn to when we're looking for um, expertise. So I do know that Tova was definitely interested in having more representation um, across the champions, but it was sort of a challenge to find people um, to participate in the event. So I guess in the way that it influenced my experience um, across this process, um, is that I sort of feel like we failed to capture a lot of perspectives. Before we had the broader community event, we um, engaged with 31 different people in a one-on-one -on -one consultation process. And I actually went back and looked at that list in preparation for this conversation. And as far as I can remember, we didn't have a single person of color out of the 31 people that we spoke to. So it really makes you think like how different could the outcome of that event have been if we actually got to speak to everyone um and how much of a cons community consultation is it really if we're not actually capturing the voices of the entire community yeah that's so true and i, I think that's like a really great point and, and question to ask and a really important question to ask um because that directly influences you know what responses look like and the different um, experiences that people obviously have in their lives are going to jump into those responses, right? And then decisions are made on those responses. And then again, we're kind of in a space where um, we're looking for um, understandings of like equity and like justice from our community consultation. And you can't really like find them right because like the people who you're looking to to participate um who would bring those perspectives weren't there or like weren't necessarily um able to be part of the consultation um and i think that's like one thing that has to be embedded into like the structures of how we do community consultation and because that directly affects outcomes yeah um Essia, sure. you you did mention this um earlier but then you know some policy making that you know that trickles down into you know the the systemic issues of lack of representation then means the policies that are being created are not going to be inclusive as a result and there's such a trickle down effect so um so yeah that's that's a hugely important point and um i i do want to say you know i think I'm, I'm not, you know, throwing throwing shade at SWR whatsoever <laughs> by, by bringing this up. But I know that this is something Tova and I um, discussed earlier this week, actually, too. Um, but but yeah, it just, again, shows the systemic issues, like you said, Asiya, that, um, you know, no matter how hard you try um, at kind of creating that space and, and getting representation, um, sometimes if the, the pot that you're pulling from doesn't have the representation in the first place, then we're kind of at ground zero. So um, yeah, definitely a really good thing that we need to all be considering in this movement is how can we make sure that the pot that we pull from for these consultations are as diverse and representative of our actual community as possible. For sure. Um, I think, you know, as we have been going through this conversation, I've been really um, 
enlightened by the contributions that you all have made. And, you know, I just kind of want to know, what are you guys most proud of um, through your like educational and your professional experiences and just in life? Like, what are you most proud of um, that you've, you've worked on or done over your time and, and thinking about sustainability? Um, I think at this very moment, what I'm most proud of is um, like getting through 2020 because I feel like it was a very hard year for everyone. And I think we all just, it was a completely different year and there were so many like obstacles that we all had to face. Um, like not being in person, not being able to see your friends. It's, it, it did take a toll on like all of us um, as well as just like being able to like juggle school and um, work while like going through like a year that was very, very hectic. Um, as well as just like being able to maintain um, like connections and relationships with people that I care about during this um, like year. Um, as for like when it comes to sustainability, I feel like I'm most proud of myself for like continuously wanting to learn more about like environmental movements, um, like climate change, as well as just like the impact climate change has on marginalized groups and funding resources that can help um, marginalized groups because I feel like we need to realize that like we can't solve the world's climate and sustainability problems by um, leaving them to like predominantly white middle-aged male leaders um, and like we need to incorporate and like acknowledge diverse voices um, because I feel like most people who are affected, well, not most, because that's that's a generalization, but I feel like a lot of people who are affected by climate change are marginalized groups. So it's very important to listen to them, learn about their experiences and considering, consider their um, experiences and all the choices that you make. Um, so yeah, just like being able to like, always like keep tabs and learn more and educate myself more. Um, I think that's, something that I'm really proud of myself for um, doing. For me, I would say that I'm most proud of um, my decision to actually um, go and follow my passions for sustainability and in preserving natural environments. I think this was something that I kind of decided for myself and I didn't, um, I didn't rely on the different standards that, you know, um, that might have changed my decision in um, pursuing sustainability. So that's something I'm most proud of. And I'm also um, happy that I've been trying new things and going out of my comfort zone this year, especially. Um, working from a distance definitely has been challenging, but I've also learned to look at the positives and realize that I have done a lot of different things, even though I've only been in my house the whole entire time. <laughs> so it's been pretty cool and exciting. Um, for me, I would say I'm definitely on the same page as Neuron, like surviving 2020 is a big one. Um, Another thing would probably be just being at home all the time has helped me sort of realize the importance of like pursuing interests and hobbies like outside of work and um, ensuring that you have like a work-life balance. So um, I think like I'm happy that I've been able to take time to like explore new hobbies and interests outside of work that sort of make me feel more centered, I guess. 
Yeah, that's so well said. Um, thank you to all of you. I, I've really, really enjoyed this time. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, we survived 2020. We're almost almost halfway. I, I don't want to say almost halfway through 2021, but it feels like we're getting there. The first there. quarter is done. <laughs> it's wild. Q1 out the window onto good things. But um, I know that it always inspires me knowing that um, amazing people like yourselves are going to be leading the sustainability movement moving forward. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where, where, you know, you all go and, and it's been really a pleasure getting to know you all more through this conversation. So thank you for sharing your perspectives. Yeah, thanks so much, everyone. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so much for having us. This was great, like great conversation. Yeah, it was a joy um, talking to you guys and exploring these different topics on sustainability that can definitely help us shape a better future. Thanks everyone for listening. Take care. Bye.